Well, again, good morning. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us today. I bring you greetings on behalf of our lead pastor, Pastor Jim and Denise Ryan. Right now as we speak, they are at our Medina Valley campus, about 15 miles from here. And they're spending a weekend of ministry at our other campus. So those of you that might be new to our church, this is our Northwest campus. But in addition to that, we have Westover Espanol that meets at 1 o'clock right here in this building. And then we also have our Medina Valley campus, which just again is about 15 miles from here. So he is there ministering at that church. So if you're a first-time guest, I invite you. Come back next weekend. Pastor Jim will be speaking. Come here, the heart of our lead pastor, and uh, you will be blessed. But just wanted to let you know where he is. But my name is Pastor Mark, and I'm going to be with you for the next few moments. It's my privilege to share God's Word with you today. So if you will listen fast, I will preach fast. Does that sound like a good deal? I'm going to get you in that line for lunch pretty quick. Get that barbecue pit fired up in just a moment. Uh, But I really believe that as we have been through this series, a pastor began about celebrating God uh, since the beginning of this month. It's been really an encouragement to, to, to allow us to really just think about what praise and worship is all about. And this weekend, we're concluding that series on the weekend of celebrating God. And I'm talking about wholehearted worship today. You know, during the months of July and August, or at least to the midpoint of August, for for someone like myself who is a huge sports fan, I call it the drought. Now listen, for you major league baseball player fans, you know, I I like watching during the World Series, but other than that, I really don't, I'm not a baseball fan. So when the NBA season is over, there's no soccer really going on, and and, uh, the football season is done, I call it the drought. And I can't wait, because in here in a couple of weeks, they're going to be getting back to camp, and we're going to get ready to see our Cowboys start off the season again. Even though I'm a little bit of a bitter fan, and I, I just I want something to cheer about uh, this season. Um, but I love it because on any given Sunday, when you turn on the tube on, on a weekend, you're going to see some pretty crazy fans out there. In fact, I got some pictures of some of them. You're going to see some crazy fans. They go all out. Listen, and these type of fans, they don't care if they're on their home field or they're away. They are going to get decked out and cheer with everything within inside of them. Win or lose, they're not going to be moved. They are going to remain loyal. And they're not afraid. Fans that are wholehearted fans, they are not afraid. There was years ago, probably back in 2007, 2008, the Spurs happened to be playing the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix, and I happened to be there, and at the last minute, I was able to go to the game. Now, mind you, I'm in Phoenix, and uh, obviously, I was probably the only Spurs fan in the building Now, you might want to ask, well, Pastor Mark, did you kind of go with a Phoenix jersey or did you go with the trench coat and sunglasses on? No, can I tell you, I got my biggest shoot-around jersey that I could find that said the San Antonio Spurs, my Spurs cap, and I walked into that building. And I kid you not, when I walked into the building, when I walked in, can I tell you, this is exactly what I did. (laughs) I wish I could have video of it because I promise you I did it. Because there's an inward resolve in me that I have been a Spurs fan since the 70s and I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. That's the type of resolve that I want us to conclude this, this series with. The resolve that says, it says no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what I can control or can't control, I'm going to live a life that celebrates God 
with my whole heart. How many know what I'm talking about? That's the inward resolve that I want you to leave with today. And let me just say before we get into our text, can I tell you that celebrating God isn't just about coming together as we just did and Pastor Alfred leading us in worship. Living a life of worship goes way beyond the four walls of this church. It goes way beyond. Yes, it even needs to be when you're on 410 at 530 or 6 o'clock or on 1604. That's when you need God's presence the most. You know, you just need to usher it in, open the windows, somehow get it in there. But we need to live a life of worship that goes beyond the four walls of this church. So we're talking about wholehearted worship. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 86, starting with verse 11. And it says this, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart. And I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. David is the author of this psalm, and, he's, and it's described as a prayer as David is expressing himself in his time of need. In fact, the beginning of this, of this psalm, he's even pleading for God's mercy as he often does. You see, because David was at a point in his life where he's had to learn the hard way, like many of us have done, self-included. He's had to learn the hard way. He's had to relearn his approach. Despite his success as a warrior, despite his success as a king, in, in all the riches that he had and all the kingdoms he conquered, he was having to relearn how to realign his heart and really bring wholehearted worship to the Lord. His whole approach had to change. And if we want wholehearted praise and worship, we need to ask ourselves from the very beginning, what kind of heart are we bringing to God? Is it a heart that is ready or is it a heart that is distracted? Because the enemy will do whatever he can to distract you from receiving all that God has, from opening your complete heart. I would dare say that on your way to church, there's just the enemy wanting to, to spark an argument with inside your car or even as you're getting ready in the morning. Why? Because he doesn't want you to give your whole heart when you walk into God's presence. And I want to talk about this psalm and I want to talk about three simple things on how we can have wholehearted praise. First of all, wholehearted praise means we know God's ways. When we have wholehearted praise, we are able to know God's ways. It says in verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. You see, David in this psalm, he's asking for guidance and he needs it. In fact, you read in verses 14 and 17 of that that chapter, he's talking about his enemies, how they're wanting to kill him. So he is definitely at a point, where, at the, this point when he's writing this, where he is needing God to step in and he's needing God's, God to, to, to give him guidance. And in his plea, he's really aligning his heart with God. But let me tell you something, when, if you want to align your heart with God, you have to follow the formula of God. And here's what it is. God has to be first in every part of of your life not just your finances not just your marriage he needs to be first in your job he needs to be first in every part of your life in fact you look at scripture you will find this formula consistently throughout the entire bible in second chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called my, by my name will humble themselves and pray then it says then i will hear from heaven and and heal their land you go to matthew 7 and it says uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then 
All these things will be added to you as well. Listen, it begins by putting Him first. Wholehearted praise begins, if you want to know God's ways, and you've got to put Him first. It doesn't say my ways. It says teach me your ways. We cannot walk in His ways if we don't respond to His teachings. If we don't react to what He's telling us to do. If we don't submit to what He's telling us to do. I don't know about you, but there's been moments in my personal life where God has closed the door. And even though he's closed the door, I begin to search for a window to crawl through. And I just mess the whole thing up. That's not submitting to his truth. That's not submitting to his ways. If we really want to know God's ways, we've got to submit to him. In order to understand the sovereignty of God, we need to know him each day and respond to his teachings when he speaks to us. And through the mistakes that David made in his life, through all the things of getting off track from his pride of trying to do things on his own, on his own, he finally realized, he finally realized that he had to, re- in order to remain completely in favor with God, he needed to submit his whole heart. And one of the things that David did is he did that with, by surrendering. He did that by asking for God's mercy. You know, when in, in history of battle, I don't think I've ever read about two opposing sides fighting each other and one finally gives in, they raise up the white flag, they surrender. But I don't see, I've never seen or read about a battle where they come out to the middle of the battlefield and they say, hey guys, to the, to the opposing uh, uh, kingdom or whoever it is that they're fighting country, hey guys, we surrender, you guys did it, you guys are awesome, we're just going to go back home now, we're done, high five, thank you, we're gone. How many know that's not the way surrenderance works? When you surrender on the battlefield, you are giving over all of your your kingdom. You are giving over all of your rights. You are completely at their mercy. Can I tell you, that is what true surrenderance is with God. That we are giving over all of ourselves to Him. Complete submission. In fact, when we worship, when we come in and we, we, uh, we sing together, sometimes you'll see, I'll, even I will raise my hand as a, just as I'm giving praise unto the Lord, but I, it could also be an act of worship. As we're saying, we're in an act of surrenderance. We're saying, God, I am completely yours. If we really want wholehearted praise, we need to know his ways. But in order for that to happen, we need to allow him to teach us. And here's the problem, church. Here's a problem that we all face, self-included. If we don't have a teachable spirit, if we don't have a teachable spirit and we allow pride to get in the way, can I tell you, we will never have a true surrendered heart. We must be willing to put our agenda aside and allow God to move in. If you feel like your praise is not wholehearted, if you feel like your praise is not sincere, can I tell you, it could very well be the lack of a surrendered and teachable heart. One of my prayers is gonna, is, has often been, Lord, help me to stay teachable. Can I tell you, we never arrive. We never arrive. doesn't matter how long you've been serving the Lord. We never arrive. And I think God wants us to be in that humble state where we will always say, God, may I be teachable. May I, if I want to know his ways, Lord, I've got to be able to be receptive to hearing your ways. And that doesn't happen without a surrendered heart. So first and foremost, wholehearted praise means that we know God's ways. Number two, wholehearted praise means we have an undivided heart. It says again, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart. I will glorify your name 
forever. It says in the text, unite my heart. Isn't that what Christ came to this earth for in the first place? He came to mend the broken heart. He came to unite our hearts with his because sin stood in the way. That's what he came down here for. Wholehearted worship cannot. We cannot come in to have wholehearted worship with a divided heart. We can't come in with the distraction of sin. We can't come in with something uh, that is blocking ourselves spiritually. Listen, wholehearted worship begins when we allow him to heal our, her, our heart. And it happens with salvation. But then he continuing to work inside of our lives. Listen, you can come into this place today. You can clap. You can shout as loud as you want to. You can sing louder than anybody else. But if you have a divided heart, you're just making a bunch of noise. That's not what true wholehearted worship is. Isn't it funny sometimes? Listen, we have a great time. We clap, we sing, we have a big smile on our face. And then we leave this place and we get into our vehicles. And we get into our cars and we begin to drive. And then all of a sudden, the joy of the Lord just, yeah, suck it up. It's gone. It's just gone. Hey, let's be honest. Some of us have all the, the Christian stickers all over the back of our car. Y'all need to take those off because you know how you drive. Y'all need to just spray paint over those bad boys because you know on 410, you are not li- driving with the love of God in your life. But something happens when we leave God's atmosphere. When we leave God's atmosphere, we leave God's presence of being with God's people, we allow just this world to begin to penetrate us. And that's why I'm saying worship is not just something that we do when we're inside. Worship has to be a lifestyle. When we walk outside of this place, we need to continually, that's when we really need to see God's presence. That's when we need to really ask Him to consume us. That's what I'm talking about. And that can't happen if we have a divided heart. If we have a heart that is separated from him. And David was a man who understood this because he's, he learned the hard way. And there were many of his writings where he really just poured out his heart to the Lord. David, in many times, he approached God by just saying, God, I need your mercy. In fact, there's been many times that I have personally prayed one of the Psalms that David wrote which is Psalm 51. In fact, let me read some of those verses today. 51 verse 1, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 7 says this, Purge me with the hyssop that I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me pause on that because there's just something interesting about verse 7. It says, purge me with the hyssop when you go back into the history of Israel in Egypt when they're in captivity it was the hyssop that God told Moses to tell the children of Israel to dip it into the lamb's blood that they sacrificed and to wipe it to basically paint it on the door frame of their doors of each house so that when the angel of death came it would pass over that's why they call it the Passover they would pass over their home so when David wrote the hyssop here purge me with the hyssop he's basically painting a picture of Lord cover me with the blood of Jesus Here's what he's saying. Then it goes on in verse 9. It says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me 
with your willing spirit. What an amazing psalm that we need to continually many times pray because with the distraction of sin, church, it does create a divided heart. With the distraction of sin, there, when, when, when there, there completely separates us from God because God will have nothing to do with sin. Oh, but can I tell you, His grace is sufficient to heal you and to forgive you of your sins. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because He doesn't want us to be separated from Him. He doesn't want us to have a divided heart. He wants us united with Him. Why? So that we can experience wholehearted praise and worship. He wants us to be united with Him. Are you still with me? Say amen. Amen. Number three and lastly, wholehearted praise means we experience God's unfailing love. Verse 13 says this, For great is your steadfast love toward me, You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. You know, the steadfast love of God speaks of his unwavering love and never-ending grace. I've often said this. It's not because we've earned it or deserve it. It is simply because of his unwavering love. It is simply because of his steadfast love. You know, David understands what he deserves, especially when you see his writings. He He totally gets what he deserves. He deserves complete separation from God. In fact, the word that he used in in the text there, the last word, Sheol, represents the underworld. It literally means that. It means hell. It means complete separation. And David is saying that because he understands what it would mean to be completely separated from God's love. And because of his steadfast love, church, you and I, we don't get what we deserve. That in itself should bring us to wholehearted worship and wholehearted praise. Because when we begin to think about what we truly deserve, when I begin to think about what I truly deserve, and I begin to thank God for His grace, that in itself is a reason to bring wholehearted worship to God. You know, that verse speaks of never-ending love from from what what He has delivered uh, from us, for us. And that in itself, as it is a reason to praise, I've discovered this truth in my life. And God may test me on this. But can I tell you, church, if God didn't do another miracle for me, if He didn't answer one more prayer in my life that I prayed, the fact that He sacrificed His Son Jesus Christ on a cross for me would be enough for me to worship Him all the days of my life. It would be enough for me to praise Him all the days of my life. Because the fact that he did that, can I tell you, that's the whole reason why we have an opportunity to be united with him. That's the whole reason why we can bring wholehearted worship to the Lord. And you know what what I have also discovered in God's word as we look at wholehearted worship and our response, why we should bring God our praise, why we should bring God our worship, is that you can read God's word and you can't help but see his grace and love in every book in, in every word that you read. In fact, you can walk through the entire Bible and our response to every word could be wholehearted worship. Let me, let me explain and kind of go through what I'm, what I'm talking about this morning. Because you see, in Genesis, in Genesis, he's the perfect creator. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. 
In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like Moses. In Joshua, he's a captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is our reigning king. In Ezra, he is the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of broken walls. In Esther, he's our advocate. In Job, he's our ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he is the Lord who is our shepherd. And in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's wisdom. In the Song of Songs, he is our loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the suffering servant. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, he is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the son of man. In Daniel, I love this one, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is the faithful husband. In Joel, he is the one who baptizes with Holy Spirit and fire. In Amos, he's the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is the, who he is mighty to save. In Jonah, he is the great missionary. In Micah, he's a messenger who brings good news. In Nahum, he is our stronghold in our day of trouble. In Habakkuk, he is the great evangelist. In Zephaniah, he is the king of Israel. In Haggai, he is the signet ring. In Zechariah, he is our humble king and on a colt. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. In Matthew, he is God with us, Emmanuel. In Mark, he is the son of God. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he is the bread of life. In Acts, he's the savior of the world. In Romans, he is the righteous God. In 1 Corinthians, he is the resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, he is the God of all comfort. In Galatians, he is your liberty who sets you free. In Ephesians, he's the head of the church. In Philippians, he is your joy. In Colossians, he is your completeness. In 1 and 2 Thessalonians, he's your hope. In 1 and 2 Timothy, he's the mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's our blessed hope. In Philemon, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood that washes away my sins. In James, he's a great physician. In 1 and 2 Peter, he is your example. In 1 and 2 and John, he is your everlasting love. In Jude, he's the foundation of your faith. In Revelation Church, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the first. He's the last. He's the beginning and the end. He always was. He always is. And he always will be. Hallelujah. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. And the death could not keep him in the grave. That's the reason why we have wholehearted worship today. Would you lift your voice and just give him praise today. Hallelujah.
lift up your praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you today. Church, listen, before I dismiss you, can I tell you, just encourage you with this. Live a life of worship beyond this celebration. Live a life of worship. Yes, on Monday morning, when you walk into that office building, and that one person comes in where you just start going, God, your grace, right now, just pour it out, God. Live a life of worship. Listen, it's about, listen, if people can fill stadiums to cheer on a team, we can come into God's house and jump up and down and celebrate. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, but let's be the church outside of the church, amen? Let's celebrate all the time. Let's just live a life of wholehearted worship in everything that we do. Father, we love you tonight, today, God. And Lord, we have truly been in your presence, God. It has nothing to do with any of us, but it has everything to do with Jesus. And God, I pray, dear Lord, as we go our separate ways, may we leave with the joy of the Lord because He is our Redeemer, God. May we continue to celebrate You, God, throughout this entire week. Lord, we love You and we give You praise. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Go in the love of Jesus.